Welcome to episode 31 of the Saddlecast this season with myself, Glenn Price. And yeah, uh, Ollie, you're back. We've had we've had two weeks without you, haven't we? One where we, we missed it because the Morgan game got called off. And then last week, I think you were off on a much needed holiday after having a baby and moving house, Ollie. So, you know, you don't do things easy, do you? It's uh, three things along at once, mate. So I'm sure you needed that holiday. <laughs> Yeah, we needed the holiday, but um, moving house, then trying to pack um, <laughs> was quite a feat, especially as we now have um, yeah, a, a new, an extra human in the family. So mm. yeah, to pack in prams and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of packing. So yeah, it's um, and then today I've been sorting the house out and stuff for the new house. So yeah, it's all go. I'm looking forward to when everything's settled. Yeah, it's rude, isn't it? The football season doesn't stop when you've got lots going on. You know, it's, you know, for it to continue along when there's busy things going on. Yeah, it's the thing. I would have done everything. The house will be sorted, and I'll be uh, the game. The season will yeah. be over, and I'll be be home every every Saturday. Well, you, sh- you should have moved. In, you should have moved out in the summer, Ollie. You should have planned this out much better. It's like when you had your um, like when you had your wedding on the playoff final. But we best not talk about that, Ollie. Uh, we've we've talked about that a lot over the years, haven't we? But there we go. I'm glad you're settling in anyway. And uh, yeah, good good to have you back. And um, it's not like you missed too much this week, Ollie, is it? Before we get into the games, um, back-to-back nil-nil draws. Normally, you'd be saying how dull and boring, but I think there are a couple of signs of positives to come out of this week, despite the fact we couldn't score. Yeah, February was a very um, dark month, wasn't it, in terms of performances and results. God, yeah. Performances yeah. were terrible and entertainment was um, non-existent. Um, but but um, the last few days have been um, have been good, and the last two games this week have been much much better, and um, yeah, much much more enjoyable watching Shrewsbury Town play, which is which is a start. So yeah, it's a shame we didn't score. So yeah, it's going to have a podcast for um, an hour or so with with no goals to talk about, but um, plenty of kind of um, action to talk about, and yeah, some interesting discussion points as well. Yeah, so obviously we've got the the Rotherham home game that was nil nil, and then. Uh, Cambridge on Saturday, um, which was nil nil as well. So um, yeah, let's uh, let's leave it there, Ollie. Um, it's, it's, we're back at it now, so let's uh, let's duck into what happened on Tuesday. Rotherham in front of thousands of their fans at this end of Wembley. It's four. Henderson comes up with the goods for Shrewsbury Town. Shrewsbury Town nil, Rotherham nil. Tuesday night game at the Meadow. Um, the attendance um, just over five thousand. Um, in terms of stats. Crazy stats from a Rotherham perspective. They've only conceded five goals away from home all season, which is a phenomenal record considering you know we're in March now. Um, and then for Shrewsbury, um, we've obviously drawn five and nine, which meant we've kept the points ticking over. But obviously, as we know, wins have been um, few and far between in the last six months, six weeks or so. Um, but coming into this game, um, we had a, obviously a couple of changes um, in the lineup. We had obviously Vela was suspended um, we, in defence, and we had Flanagan, Ebanks, Landall, and, and Pennington. We had Bennett, Leahy, and, and Fornau in midfield with Nurse left wing back. And then obviously, we're playing a slightly different formation at the moment. We're playing a 3 4 3, but it often reverts to, doesn't it, a bit of a 3 5 1, maybe, well, 3 6 1 in terms of Bowman with Bowman at front, with um, Box, Boxham, and Ado do sit quite deep, don't they, at times, Glenn? Yeah, it, it's it's a tactic that changes depending on the attacking and defending transitions, doesn't it? You know, we're certainly not afraid to drop Bennett and Nurse very deep in in those situations where we're trying to ride games out. Where there were segments against Rotherham in this game where they were almost like a flat back five, but you know there were also segments in the game when they got up and provided width as as almost wingers during the game. And sometimes we haven't seen too much of that this season, but maybe it, maybe definitely saw a lot more of that against Cambridge, which we'll come to. But um, yeah, it kind of kind of works for what we've got at the moment, doesn't it? In terms of eleven players that we can kind of rely on. To 
12 players, I suppose, if you include Pierre. Four, well, 13, I suppose, with Vela as well. So that's it, isn't it? It's a squad of 13 that's got to take us through now. And um, this is kind of what we've got and what works best, isn't it? Yeah, but we, I was just talking specifically about um, Block and um, Bloxham and Ado who are playing this yes. kind of slightly different role now. The playing is kind of attacking midfielders, aren't they? Really, in in kind of in defensive phases and then in attacking phases, they are um, they do get forward. Um, they definitely do get forward um, and get into the box. But in defensive phase, so it's quite good. It's it's a, it's a in some ways it's a classic cultural formation, isn't it? A team that's very adaptable um, and will change um, throughout the game. There is a massive degree of irony, isn't there, that we're now playing three out-and-out strikers and, you know, <laughs> the goals have even dried up even more and gone back-to-back without scoring. So um, that's classic shoes, isn't it? Let's play three strikers and we still won't actually score any goals. But um, you can't fault the lads' effort these two games, particularly those front three. They've worked the angles. They've created, kind of got in, got involved in chances. I suppose the only thing you can fault is their composure and finishing um, across what is probably 30, 35 shots they've had across these two games. So that is something that still needs work. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, going back to that three up front I, I quite like it Ollie um, I think we've been saying for weeks and me and Mike mentioned it on the podcast last week that Doe does his best work from deep you know we're not relying on be- him being the poacher and the sniffer up front now you know it's either Bloxham or Bowman depending on um, kind of what they've done in terms of that attacking formation I'd rather have that I, I just think that Doe gives us much more when he's picking the ball up and running and, and scaring players so again bringing a bit more out of him um, but without the goals and that's the problem we have isn't it with with our, with our strikers yep. they don't score enough um, and obviously that was the theme this week but in terms of um, the game, I think the first half of the Rotherham game, there's probably not really too much to say. I think it's fair to say the first half was utterly abysmal from an attacking salad <laughs> perspective. Yes. And we had two shots, but must be, I can't believe we had two shots, to be honest. We had 35% possession against a Rotherham side who are not famed for their attacking possession-based football. They're a fantastic football team, the best team in the division. They get results. But they're not MK Dons, they're not Man City, they do not play possession-based football. So the fact that we had 35% just shows you how much they dominated that half. They had 10 shots. Unfortunately for us, seven were off target. Yeah, I mean, there's not too much to say about this half, is there, other than the even the two shots we had. One was Bowman cutting in, wasn't it, and du- shooting directly at the goalkeeper. And another one was like a really long-range shot, if I think off the top of my head. They weren't particularly threatening, really, and um, didn't force the keeper into making a difficult save. It just sort of was, was straight at his stomach, wasn't it? And yeah, you know, they dominated the game. But, I th- you know, there was definitely a, an air of it on the night. You know, I, I was obviously there, Ollie. You were um, yeah, sunning yourself on some beach somewhere, probably. Um, but um, there was an air at the night that, you know, that was all people were really expecting, Ollie, was for us to just try and not lose and stick in the game and, you know, nil-nil against Rotherham, who were flying this season and top of the league, would have been completely fine. And as much as we got dominated there and they, they had more chances than us, you know, coming in towards half-time, I don't think anyone was particularly worried about it. It was, it was could we do that for another 45 minutes, I guess? Yeah, it was an interesting conundrum. It was At half-time, I was thinking, what is Steve Cottrell going to do? Um, because it couldn't really get any worse. Um, <laughs> but I think in terms of this season... I think it's fair to say, Glenn, that we had a home game, didn't we, a few weeks ago where we were really bad at home and we took four now off and went 4-3-3 in the second half. I can't remember who that was against now. But this was another um, half-time break where the manager showed us his his, his excellence, really, in terms of tactical and, and changing shifts. And they made a few tweaks and it was a remarkable turnaround in the second half. Though. You have to give credit where credit's due for, obviously, you know, the manager and the players take the blame for the first half, but the second half turnaround was quite quite remarkable and I can't imagine you were expecting that. No, and, and looking back, I put it down to two things. I think we definitely got a 
good bit of coaching at half time um picked up on what they were and weren't doing very well um which is obviously what a manager's paid to do isn't it you analyze that first half you get the lads in and you give them that that briefing that you need to maybe find a bit more space or or hit it into a, an area that you know players can't spot but a manager can kind of see from his experience so definitely a part of that i have to say ollie um you know we just talked about rotherham battering us they sh- they should have been ahead at half time but for some reason beyond me really considering they'd been so dominant and so on top you know they made, I think they made a double half-time substitution. It looked like they were going to make a triple one at half-time, but they came down and only made two. And I have to, and I think one of them was in midfield, and they they completely lost control of the game. I think a combination of their changes and our, you know, improvement really knocked them for six. And that's why we started creating chances, and that's why we really got on top of the game and probably had one of our best second halves for for a really long time. And I just think, you know, if you gave that rather a manager the chance again to to stick rather than twist at half time, which seemed, you know, a bit early to be making double subs. Um, to me that was another part of the game as to what's kind of what had a play on what happened in the second half really. Yeah, I'm not sure why Rathbone went off. Weird. I don't know whether it was injury. It must have been injury because he was he's one of their best players and you know he's just a fantastic player at this level, one of the best midfielders in the division. Um I was just trying to check what time he went off. Um but yeah he had a yeah he went off at half time. So I'm not sure whether it was a tactical piece or he just wasn't very happy with their performances. Um, but yeah, he certainly, I don't know, I don't understand why you would take them off because they, they dominated that half and he was key. So I don't know whether they were carrying knocks or something or they got knocks. Um, but yeah, they we yeah it turned in our favour, didn't it? And having him not on the pitch um, was, it was a big plus for us. Yeah, just gave us a bit more space in midfield. I think... You know, this was the half and, and continuing into the Cambridge game where I started to see Fauna have an influence in terms of calmness on the ball, um, you know, an ability to pick a pass, um, wasn't giving it away as easy in those opening moments when he started for us in those first few games where looked a little bit overawed at times. You know, I mentioned it in the podcast last week with Mike, you know, we'd seen some signs. Him and Lee, he's quite a, a nice little pairing in central midfield. They've got a little bit of an understanding with each other you're starting to see now. So, um, you know, I think it was the fact that, you know, that change in midfield really freed them up. And yeah, we definitely did say you know, we can't just criticise Rotherham for their changes. You're completely right, Ollie. That you know, we definitely came up and stood up. Bennett and Nurse, particularly, were taking up sort of starting positions a bit further up the pitch, and and that helped as well. And just the whole thing really pushing Rotherham back. And I don't think they were expecting it. Just that that kind of spiralled as the half went on, and and the more chances we had, the more kind of nervous they started to play. I suppose. Yeah, just to give it a bit of stats, stats to back that. So we said in the first half that we had. Um two shots they had 10 second half we had 13 and they only had four we, we just shaded at 51 percent possession but I thought we were absolutely phenomenal in the second half and there was chances um galore you were right Glenn they should have mm-hmm. scored in the first half yep. um, I'm sure their fans were ruined those missed opportunities and then yeah it started quite quickly with when Pennington had that that header which flashed wide from a corner and then a really, really close chance where Lee has a, a really nice half volley from just outside, um, just inside the box, and um, just fired wide. And I thought that was a, a good, op- both two good opportunities there. And we're unfortunate not to score. Yeah, unfortunate. Um... We're going to keep saying this as the game goes on and into the next game, and the un- unfortunate not to score. And there is a there is a bit of something towards it about. Um... Some of them are unfortunate. Some of them are plain poor misses, I suppose, or just didn't quite do enough in a in a perfect situation. But there were a lot of chances in this game that were like amazing, like that the keeper pulled off a good save, or they just went an inch wide, and you, you couldn't really criticise some of those chances. So I, I, I'm not sure. I, I I'm wobbling because I don't quite know where to fall this week, uh, and this game kind of be, builds into it about whether I should be critical of our finishing or positive about how many chances we created. I, I think 
like because of the way the season's gone, you probably I probably lean more towards being negative. But I think that might be a bit unfair, Ollie. I don't, I don't, I, you know, this is away from those particular chances. They're just kind of the starting point of the conversation. But I don't know where you sit on that that problem. You know, is it more frustrating to have not scored from these chances? We'll keep going through, or, or are you kind of content at least we were creating chances? I really don't know. In the games in February, there was a clear gap, wasn't there, team? We didn't, you know, we missed that number 10. We we, we yep. don't create good chances. In this game, we have have had some really good chances and we've, you know, missed opportunities from corners and set pieces. To be fair, has Bowman really missed any chances? Don't really think so. I know we'll come on to a doe in the second game. So it was kind of like everyone's kind of sharing the chances. I think there's maybe a question about, you know, should Bowman and, and Ado get in a few more chances and clear chances yeah. in the box? But I think I think it's a combination of, how to put this, you know, good chances, but often, you know, difficult chances. That, that Lee one we talked about was from out, just on the edge of the box. But I think it's also, it comes down to, if you remember when we had, I remember that podcast um, when we played Bolton away and we had James on the podcast. Yeah. Um, the, the, the posh fan. And he was talking about um, how we have strikers that have a, a low kind of XG in terms of conversion rate. So they kind of underperform their XG. And I think that's the problem that we have is that we've got below average League One strikers mm. uh, and we don't have anyone in midfield. You know, apart from, um, you know, apart from Leahy, there's not really that many goals in the rest of the side is there. So then I think when it comes to ball falls to these players, they don't take their chances because it's not their strength. Um, so I think it's a, I think the underlying issue we have is we don't have enough quality um, in attacking third. And I guess it backs up a lot what we're saying this season is that the, the general vibe this season is we've had very few amounts of chances in games, particularly during those really bad runs, and we haven't really been taking enough of those chances. And we're creating more chances now, but still not taking them. So clearly there is something about our finishing ability to put the ball beyond the, the line, whether whether we create 21 chances like we did in the second game this week or whatever it was, 10, 15 in this game, or you know the ones we've had three or four. There, there is a fundamental underline about all that. And even, you know, Rick, even Rick... Uh, and even Cottrell said, you know, a few weeks back that, you know, we've not been great scorers since I got here. And it's clearly, clearly, clearly the issue. And we've, we've talked about that a lot this season. So I suppose we can move on and look a bit. More yeah, I, th- I think so. We were very critical, obviously, yeah. during February of the really turgid performances. Yeah. And performances have really, really improved. The manager's done a really good job you know, in terms of obviously there's been a lot of work on the training ground. And we're finding each other better in the box getting into some dangerous areas. Um, clearly, we really enjoy that that ball behind the, the fullback or the centre um, centre half to get into the yep. box and do a cutback, which works really well. So there's clearly some good training work going on, um, but it's just really frustrating we're not taking those chances. Mm-hmm. Well, talking about unlucky issues, you've got to say this, this next moment was particularly unlucky because... George Nurse, who has shown this week and probably in a couple of games previously that he's got a hell of a long shot on him um, that we need to probably utilise a bit more. What a strike. Massive long strike from George Nurse. Um, and yeah, hits the post, doesn't it? Um, after it had been cleared from a corner. Yeah, smashed it into the post. And there you go. Matt Pennington's on hand to just casually tap it over the line from about a yard out, isn't he, Ollie? And uh, Town win 1-0 against Rotherham. But... Would you would you have wanted a striker in that situation rather than Pennington? I do I do feel like maybe if Adele Bowman had been there, we might we might have scored. But um, that's just the luck of the luck of the game, isn't it? Whoever was there from the corner. But yeah, r- massive moment. That was our biggest chance in the half, wasn't it? And it was three chances in about one second. The strike from Nurse was phenomenal. Yep, it like almost broke the post. It was such an amazing strike. And then for fair to Pennington, he actually got a good uh, good hit on it. But I think he probably actually hit it too well. Um, and it meant that then it, it kind of it, you know it went straight to the goalkeeper who had a, a f- fantastic game throughout. 
but yeah, I think he almost hit it too well, and he hit it you know straight at the goalkeeper. Unfortunately, if he we didn't really have much time to react, if he'd maybe had shanked it or kind of fluffed it a little bit, he might have just trickled <laughs> into the back of the net, yeah. um, which obviously would have been a, a fantastic moment for Pennington because he, yeah, he would have been on a bit of a roll then. It would have been, yeah, yeah, it would have been. It was a bit unfortunate, wasn't it, though, and not to score at that moment. And yeah, it wasn't the last of the chances. We were probably about halfway through the second half then, and we kept going on. There was a, a cross from Bowman and a, a really good sliding challenge, wasn't there, to stop a doe kind of maybe tapping in back post. Um, Fauna had a kind of low effort, sort of tameish effort from distance, but showed he wasn't afraid to have a crack really. And the the chances just did keep coming. And it was again because we had control, we had possession, we had the ball, um, and and you couldn't you could not really fault the work effort. And it you know again on the night for me. Um, it felt like they sniffed blood as that second half went on, Ollie, and they knew that was potentially a really big win for them to get here. Um, so, and, you know, credit to them. They, they went for it, but it um, wasn't to be. Um, and, and that's what kind of went on as the half went on, isn't it? Yeah, it did. And I think, yeah, we, we started to boss midfield. Um, I thought we both, everyone was having a really good second half. There was that Bowman cross, um, which well, then was that great challenge. Um, that stopped to doe scoring, so some really good last-ditch defending from Rotherham. Um, That's an effort from Fornau from distance. Um, there was that blocks and cross, which the keeper had to tap over the bar, um, and then Leahy had his wide from a corner. So there was a, a series of, of opportunities there, uh, and then we saw um, a yeah, good, really good save from the goalkeeper. Yep, just chance after chance after chance. But yeah, that was it, really. Uh, I say, it was... It wasn't to be, was it? There's not much more to say about the half, really. I, I thought we played really well um, and thought we kept, didn't stop and, and we kept going the whole time and, um, you know, final whistle went and the, the crowd stayed around and really applauded the lads off. Um, <laughs> we got uh, applause back from Steve Cottrell twice this week he's done that, so um, there's been he's, a little um, bit of a change. He's yeah. a, I think it's fair to say he's a fair-weather clapper. <laughs> Well, I'm a fair weather clapper, so maybe maybe that's fair. Um, but there's definitely but been a change. You know what I mean? He um, he um, he milks it when there's a good performance. When we play absolutely dire, he runs away down the down the tunnel. So yeah. I do find it quite um, quite humorous um, the he, way that um, he picks and chooses when he wants to um, yeah when he wants to um, come out and and say hello to the fans after the game. Yeah, and that was that really, wasn't it? And um, yeah, it was a nice nice send off for him and. Um, yeah, a nice point against the league leaders. It was another night where I think we, we kind of took another point away from the relegation troubles, didn't we, that, that night because of what had gone on below us. And um, I, I suspect, having watched Rotherham, they'll probably go on to win the league. They, they they didn't play very well in that second half against us, but first half they looked like they had quite a lot. If they hadn't changed it, they probably would have beaten us. And um, they're, having, they're having a good season, aren't they? So I can, I can see them probably going back up the yo-yo club that they are. Um, and that was it, really. I walked home with a, with a smile on my face for, for, for once coming away from a town game at home. So, um, yeah, my top three, Ollie, if we move on to that. I went for... It's funny because we've just talked about how good we were attacking and you know how many chances we created. But for me, I could not split in terms of performance. I could not split any of the three centre backs, and particularly in the first half where they were all amazing, right? Absolutely brilliant, keeping um, Rotherham out during the spell where they completely dominated. But not just that. In the second half, all three of them, you know, pushed a little bit further up pitch and, and were involved in starting off all the moves we started. And passing was much better from all three of them. You know, Flanagan looks a hell of a player and is is really coming into his own in these last few games in terms of his calmness on the ball. Pennington was just his usual, you know, calmness and and kind of solid defending. And for me, the, th- the three centre backs have been really, really good. Across both games this week, so I couldn't really pick them, but I, you know, I had to. So I went for Ebanks, top man, um, mainly because I think he probably headed the percent higher percentage of balls away really during those difficult spells. Um, but Pennington second and, and Flanagan third, but very difficult to kind of split all three of them really. Um, they were all excellent. Yeah, just a moment for Flanagan. I think he adds a real sense of 
how to describe this, he brings a calmness to the back three. And I think he also, him and Pennington, are both good on the ball for League One. And I think that really helps us. Um, so I think those, I think uh, Flanagan is, is a fantastic signing. You know, we've, we say this consistently. It's not the, the who he, um, it's not who he signs. It's just the number of, of signings, which is the issue. And another good signing yep. from the manager here. And Flanagan has really settled in really quickly. He was clearly match fit because he'd been playing all the games at Sunderland. Um, and yeah, really, really good signing. And yeah, he's settled in really well. I think his, his passing and his distribution and his calmness on the ball is a, a huge um benefit to the to the, to the team and, and nurse i think is settling well at left wing back so my top three i haven't mentioned yet but ebanks i thought had a phenomenal game and yeah. then i went for flanagan and then nurse yeah i, I agree with you on flanagan as well and i'll probably talk to talk to that a bit more in the second game where he also offers another threat in attacking positions when we're in uh we've got corners and stuff and free kicks he looks dangerous as well doesn't he so um there we go so everyone was happy and everything was good and we started you know i didn't listen to cottrell because I, I would say i was walking home i never got a chance to listen to it but um just just getting to the end of his interview we thought we'd got away with a, a nice happy evening and then he did have a little bit of a pop didn't he at the press again but um yeah you've put some comments on it here ollie so um yeah what did you make of it yeah, so it was good to see that they were back online. So that was positive. Um, so yeah, he said, <laughs> yeah, he said, I like Rotherham and blah blah blah. Was, yeah, let's just get to the chase. He basically said, you know, he thought that the goalkeeper was their best was the best player on the pitch, and we had a really outstanding um, basically second half. Yeah, and then he then he has got this really weird comment. The interviews are just going fine, and then he says to Stu that and that Stuart um, Dunn and Lewis Cox have a responsibility to put a positive message towards the the, the fans and, and the local community <laughs> well come on like i just this is where everyone just gets quite tired of the bloke you've just had a really really good performance just cap it off with a nice pleasant post-match interview instead he has to take the opportunity to try and have a dig because he's he gets so i don't know so sensitive about uh, questions and criticism you know, we've said it at the start of the podcast, February was a dire month. The football was dire and it was not fun to watch. We just had a really, really good performance and he has to try and take the opportunity to give them a dig and try and, yeah, just try and put them in their place, which I've just found was really unnecessary, especially as they're two, two very lovely, nice chaps. They're not, um, as, as a lot of the people have been saying on Twitter, it's not like he's, you know, he's got the Manchester United or the Chelsea or the, you know, Liverpool press pack on his back mm. every week. What negativity have you seen from Lewis or Stu Dunn in the last few months? None. Like, we actually criticise them for not being critical, or you know, we 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 say to them, "Why aren't you asking exactly. um, Steve Cottrell every why we don't have a number ten? Why do we not have uh, an actual a, a good number of players?" He gets a really easy ride from them too, because let's be honest, they have to every single twice a week, well, more than twice a week, because you obviously have all the press conferences, you know, four times a week. Um, he have, they have to talk to the manager. So there's obviously a little bit of a different relationship. It's not like a press pack where you're, I don't know, Liverpool and Man United, where you've got 20, 30 people and they can all take their turn to ask the difficult question. Um, Stu Dunn and Lewis Cox have to maintain a, a working relationship where it means that they can ask him questions, you know, almost it probably feels like to them every other day. Yeah, I mean, God, we've said this enough times this season, haven't we, when he's been angry about us losing. So to, to be weird about it when we've we've got a good point at a, a, t- a team at the top of the league, then uh, it, it seemed very unnecessary. And let's be brutally honest about it. I don't know what his, what his real problem is about not, even if they were negative. We're, we're, we've won one game in nine, haven't we? One game in ten? Something like that? It's not like this is an unbelievably good run, which has seen us fly up the league. We've, we've scrapped ourselves to enough points from draws and that one good win we did have 
to snick our way away from someone like Morecambe, who have who were one of the smallest clubs in the league, to, because they've lost all the games during this last three or four weeks. And so, you know, we've been helped out by the poverty of other teams rather than ourselves putting our foot down on the accelerator and bringing in win after win after win. It's not like those other runs that we had under Cottrell where he won three in a row, a row away from home against those good teams when we were struggling last year. It, this has been a much, much more grindy way of getting away from relegation and it's, we're still not out of trouble. There's 10 games left yet and we're only, what is it, six points clear? You know, it only takes one game for Morecambe to win and us to lose for it to be three points. So I, I don't know. I, I can't get my head around why he would be banging on about us trying to be positive about everything when clearly this has not been a particularly positive period of the season for the last two months. So I don't know. He's just a bit of a weird bloke, isn't he, when it comes to things like this. But I suppose he's consistent, Ollie. I suppose there is one thing to say about it is he could have just been nice at the end and let, let it go and everyone would have been happy. But he clearly is a bit of a twat about these things all the time. So I suppose at least he's consistent nowadays. So um, I don't know. The press have to deal with him more than any, any of the fans do. So um, I imagine it's not the easiest job. Yeah, actually, let's just talk about it now so we don't have to repeat ourselves a bit later on. Um, he gets visibly rattled after the Cambridge um, game. Oh, did he? Where God. Stu Dunn mentions, you know, it's good to see you're picking up some away points now. And you can <laughs> see that he's got like a, a, like a bee in his mouth and he oh, doesn't dear. like it. And it's just... It's a f- the fact is we've what have we won two away games something like that all season. Yeah, um, we've got one of the worst away records in the division. Um, yeah, if you, <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just a bit odd, and it's just very strange that he he takes these um, goes down these routes. Um, as you guys were talking <laughs> about in the last podcast, you know, he we ended the summer in such a high, but um, it's it's almost probably people are probably bored of us talking about it, but he keeps making the same mistakes. And I said to him, I did a bit mm. of a cheeky tweet after, on Wednesday morning. Maybe the club should send him on a, a media training course. Maybe he needs a little bit of help. <laughs> He'd tell him where to go, wouldn't he? There's absolutely, absolutely no chance of him even offering it. Um, at the end of the day, he is our manager and we are a podcast that talks about Shrewsbury Town and we have always talked about post-match interviews since you know yeah. we started doing this podcast and Mickey Mellon was here. And we've certainly had comments from managers during that era which we've we've lamented or said that was a shit thing to say or that was not great or that was amazing or you know Paul Hurst post-match interviews on that run just were part of keeping that good run going there's all sorts of things that happened I mean we can't really you know I'm not going to stop talking about um, these comments because he comes across like a bit of a moron at times but you know at the end of the day he's paid to keep us up and you know he's grinding us up there but I just I don't get it I just this has still not been a particularly fun couple of months and I don't know why he thinks we should all be tripping the light fantastic just because we got a couple of draws Um, but Anyway, there we go. A bit of an odd one. And um, I didn't see his post-match because I was driving back from Cambridge, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, so, yeah, it, I'm not particularly surprised to hear that, Ollie. And um, we'll keep talking about it as long as he keeps making these sorts of stupid comments, I suppose. But um, that's just our opinion. I'm sure not everyone agrees. Probably some people don't care about this at all, Ollie. We've learned that over the last few months, haven't we? Yeah. No, people, yeah. Yeah, there's, obviously, there's, there's always going to be people on different ends of the spectrum. Yep. Um, yep. So, yeah. Fair enough. It's, um, it, were, it, were, it is where it is. But, um, yeah, a point at home against the best team in the division. Not, right, the, yeah. uh, not the worst result in the world. Um, it gets another point and keeps us away from the relegation zone. And it gave us something to build on to going into what could have been a tricky game, um, going away to Cambridge United on a, a wet and cold day. So we'll move on to that now. They drew 2-2 at Millmore only a few days ago, but here comes Shrewsbury now with Stevens. Great chance. Must jolly be a goal for Taylor. Shrewsbury are back in it. Saturday the 5th of March, 2022. Um, yes, at the Abbey Stadium again um, in front of 5,651 fans. I think there was about 470-odd town fans there. Um, yes, Cambridge United nil, uh, Shrewsbury Town nil. Um, back-to-back nil-nils how exciting um, I will be looking up the last time we, we had two back-to-back nil-nils but I suspect it probably wasn't that long ago Ollie <laughs> the way it's been the last few years so um, there we go a few weeks back we were talking about how far behind last season we were um, 
and saying, you know, we'd got to, at one point back to nine points behind where we were after, I think it was 33 games. We have clawed a couple of points back now, so we're only seven points behind where we were after 36 games. So, yeah, still room to do to get us on par, even with last season over the next sort of 10 games, really, um, to get us up to that magic 50 points. Um, but, you know, we are slightly grinding there. This game is fascinating for shots, um, which we will obviously come to in a bit. But we had 21 shots of this game, Ollie, which is the equal season high and is one of the highest um, since we came up to League One. It's equal with the Bolton home game, if you remember, a few weeks back. Um, across that Bolton game and the Cambridge game, we had 42 shots in total, just 10 of those on target and didn't score a goal. So <laughs> that kind of does point the part of the problem we keep going on about, doesn't it? For us to score, for us to have 21 shots in two games this season within a week, within a couple of weeks of each other and not actually score any goals is pretty staggering, isn't it, really? It is staggering. Um, <laughs> but the fact that, yeah, that we didn't score um, this week, it is, um, it's quite remarkable, really. It's, it's quite, I don't know, it's, it's a very shrewdy thing to do, really, isn't it? It is. It's like, you know, we, we, yeah, actually have a good week and create some good chances. And of course, we don't score. Annoying. And a few weeks back, Ollie, before you went away on your holiday and uh, we missed, missed a podcast, we were talking about, you know, during that terrible month of February about, um, you know, peak Ricketts ball, comparing, you know, this season under Cottrell to, to peak Ricketts ball. And at that time, I told you it was pretty marginal, didn't I? You know, we'd we'd only won, uh, sorry, we'd only had um, scored a goal or hadn't scored a goal in like 79.4% of games during that peak Ricketts ball. Um, we were just below that figure uh, at that point in time. But clearly, we've obviously gone through another run of a three or four games now and back-to-back nil-nils where we haven't scored. This season now is 82.9%. We have either scored one or zero goals in the league. So it is now quite a way beyond peak crickets ball for in terms of entertainment, goals entertainment. So, uh, again, another quite worrying statistic there, Ollie. I thought I would update you on that one because you, you were asking about it a few weeks back. Yeah, we're so binary, aren't we? <laughs> It's just, it's unbelievable. And, and that's why when, you know, sometimes when you're talking to people or you're having a bit of discussion or talking to people at the club, you're saying, you know, this is why the fans get quite frustrated is because they are spending time, money and effort going to these games. Um, and you're not seeing a lot, um, you know, for your kind of your effort. So that's why, you know, I think, yeah, I think it's good to bring it up because it just kind of reminds people and, yeah, you, you do question times while you go into games, um, but um, yeah, and you tell me off when I when I try and when I kind of get onto that kind of that kind of sphere, which is fair enough. But um, yeah, it was a, another game, but entertaining in, in other ways. Um, at least, at least, at least the games have been a bit more entertaining, so it's put a positive spin on it. Yeah, yeah. Just a few more stats then before we move on to the game. Um, there was some balance brought to the force this weekend, Ollie. Um, sixty-nine games under Steve Cottrell now as chief town manager in the league, and only sixty-nine games scored. So no, you know, decimal places on the goals per game, Ollie. It's very easy to work it out at the moment. Sixty-nine games, sixty-nine goals, one goal per game. So I thought that was quite nice. Balance to the balance to the uh, statistics force. Um, and then yeah, I could go on about goal scoring, which is still diabolical. I mentioned it with my brother last week. Um, I'm sure you listened to it about how we're pretty much headed towards the worst goal scoring season we've had in league one um so we're now three goals be you know behind where we were in that worst season um on a game for game basis and we now need to score 13 goals in the last 10 for it to avoid being the worst which i'm sure you would probably agree looks quite unlikely based on our current goal scoring records um and then something really positive we talked morosi last week um before we had another two clean sheets so he's now up to 11 for the season which is pretty crazy really considering he waited so long for them that's the same as max o'leary had in his season with us ollie and only three off dean henderson um in the 
the in the poor her season. So he's got a good chance of, of getting right up there in terms of uh, a goalkeeper and, and clean sheets in League One. I think he has to get to 14 to have had the most in League One. So again, quite likely, or you know, the way the defence are playing, that he could possibly end up with the most clean sheets we've had in any of our recent League One League One seasons. And it comes back to discussion we had, um, you know, earlier on in the season. You know, are we are we are we really defensive, and that's why we have this good record? Yep. Or are we actually really balanced and attacking? Um, yeah, it's. I think you know, fans can make up their own mind about that. We are. I personally think that you know we are very defensive. You know, we talked about at the start how Bloxham and Nadeau have been tucking in, um, like central midfielders at times um, to kind of you know to protect the back line. Um, so I think. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what if we, you know, if you assume Cottrell's going to be in charge next season, what he might do with another window. But um, yep. yeah, yep. those clean sheets are a good, it's a good record. You know, Murray has still made some fantastic saves, correct? Um, yeah. And obviously he's contributing to, to it all. But I think he has been um, helped, isn't he, by the, um, yep. the the way we set up. An excellent defenders in front of him. I think you can't argue with that. Um, and the last stat, you know, we often talk about the holy grail of shit attacking performances being the full-on no shots on target during a game thing. And we've obviously, you know, mentioned those when they happened on the podcast over the last sort of five, six years. Um, Cambridge got one of those. So I did want to point out that it does happen to other teams, Ollie, where you just have no shots on target in a game. And for Cambridge today, <laughs> sorry, yesterday, it was one of those moments. So um, there we go. That should make us feel slightly better. Yeah, it was one of those one of those days, wasn't it? There <laughs> we go. And what was the team then, Ollie? This will take two seconds. Yeah, it was the same again, which is yeah easy to predict at the moment. Um, so yeah, same same team again, and for me also the same setup as well. That that three four three in the in attacking sense. So here's the main question off team selection, Ollie. Do you immediately put Vela back in this team? Are we playing? I've forgotten. I haven't had a chance to look how crazy my life is at the moment. Are we playing Tuesday Oxford. night? Yeah. Yeah, I would drop. I would give not drop. I would rest for now. And bring Vela back into the side, which is harsh on the lad. But I think, give him, um, you know, he's, he's come in. Um, you know, he hasn't been playing first team football all season. He comes into a side, played a lot of games. Um, I would rotate Vela back into the side, um, even though he's a very naughty boy for getting sent off. Um, I don't know what do you think about that. What would you do? It's marginal. I should sorry. I should just mention we're playing Oxford next Saturday, not Tuesday night. So they've got a whole week on the training ground now, and I think he's he's given a Monday off, hasn't he, after this performance? So yeah, next Saturday's Oxford. Um, but what would I do? I'd be inclined to leave it, Ollie. I mean, we've been, especially as this, you know, as we'll talk about during this game, this was definitely one of the best performances of the season, as much as we drew it, and it was nil-nil. We were really, really good in this game. And I, I have to say, Fauna was exceptionally good in this game. I really, really thought he, you know, showed up a marker class throughout the whole thing and, and showed composure and control of a game that was way beyond his years. And, you know, the most exciting thing about it was... He got forward way more than maybe Vela does in games, and he was popping up here, there, and everywhere, and looked like he had a forward pass. Um, so to me, if you if you're trying to win some games now to close off this season, I'd just leave him in for now. I mean, at the end of the day, I I personally think Vela will probably go in the summer. Um, and I know Fauna's only on loan, but. I just don't know. I, th- I thought he's given us a little bit more of a creative edge than Vela has over recent weeks. And we talked as well, just before Vela got that red card, Ollie, where I said to you, when was the last time that Vela had a game that was better than a six or a five? You know, And you said before Christmas. So I- he hasn't had a great period at all since Christmas. So, you know, I- for me, there's a real strong argument to leave it as it was against Cambridge and, and the game earlier this week and because the lads haven't really done too much wrong in midfield. Yeah, but then there's also the, you know, the captain hindsight that you say, oh, you know, after the game and Fornow hasn't played very well. And you go, oh, you know, we should have um, should have rested him. So I think there's a risk that that might happen. 
um, then you might regret not um, actually giving him a, a giving him a bit of a break. It's a bit cool either way, isn't it? Because if Vela comes in and we yeah. end up losing, then they'll say, "Oh, we shouldn't have changed the team that we're doing all right." So it's a, exactly. it's what the, man- the managers are paid for. But uh, you know, the, the fact that he's come in and played these three games and was involved in the games beforehand, and he's got to a point where I would say, you know, it's a pretty marginal call. That shows you how much he's come on in a quite a short period of time, doesn't it? It does. It does. It's and again, that's testament to the manager and the staff and the team, yep. and you know, working all working together, and also to the player himself. Um, he- and yeah, he's playing this kind of box to box role. Um, I think suits him really well. Um, he's very athletic, um, and yeah, he's you know settled into the team and he's doing he's doing better. Lee Lee he's been really good talking him through games as well. I'll give him that credit for as well from the sitting in there and watching the last two games. You know, you you pick up on what people are doing and their body language, and the, he's been great. You know, as we've talked about Lee, he you know somewhat of a captain material down the line. The way he's talked Fauna into the into this role and what he needs to do, I think has been really good as well. Obviously, you don't stop here and Steve Cottrell bollock you from the sidelines either, so he gets a bit of coaching as well. So no, all good. Lots of good things to talk about there. Um, obviously you went out this game, Ollie, uh, and I went all the way over to Cambridge. Jesus Christ, mate, Saturday, the weather was horrendous. It was really, really bloody cold, but it was like that windy and sort of like fine to quite heavy rain at times. And Cambridge just looked depressing on the drive there. It looked depressing when we got there. And there wasn't anything about the the, the drive there or going into there now, what is fairly dilapidated stadium um, that made me feel any kind of excitement for the game, to be honest with you. It was a grim old day. Yeah, it did look pretty wet. I have to say, I was watching it um, from the comfort of my own home, uh, with a nice, a nice sandwich and a packet of crisps in the warmth. I'm after just driving back all the way from Dartmouth, but nice. yeah, it, it looked pretty grim and it looked pretty cold as well. Even Steve Becky noted that Steve Cottrell looked quite wrapped up because he had like a big coat on, on a hat and hat and gloves. I was freezing. I was bloody freezing. Um, yeah, I mean, we obviously had 10 minutes injury time at the end, which we'll come to. It was like, this is unnecessary because it was getting colder and colder. But um, I had a bit of company, which was good. I took my daughter and one of her friends um, to the match. And it was um, Cambridge's sort of celebrating her game too. Um, you know, the sort of yeah. the campaign for, for recognising the, the impact and, and uh, the the... Um, attendance and and how women can be a part of football, which is sometimes you know um, with some of the chants we hear, not not the greatest for people. And as a father with a daughter now, I kind of sp- I don't know, maybe I spot it a bit more than maybe I used to when I was a bit younger. But um, a great campaign, um, and the players were all wearing her game two t-shirts as well, which they gave out to all of the players and uh, sorry, also fans that were particularly the young fans that were down the front. So that was a really nice bit of a moment before the start of the game. So unfortunately my daughter and her friend didn't manage to get one. Um, even though they met Jake, yeah, they met Jaden Bevan a few weeks ago at Mule school. Cause he used to go to Mule school and he was there doing the warm up with the goalkeepers and they did try to get him over and he didn't, he did nod at them, but he said, I've always prom- promised to give my shirt to someone else now. So um, there we go. They never managed to get one. And then it was nice. Actually, I met a, a friend who I haven't probably seen um, a game since we were away at Wickham um, before COVID, you know, maybe two years before COVID, a lad called Alesh Gwillem, who's um, a guy that used to live out in Barcelona and moved across to Shrewsbury um, with his dad, who was, a, who was a Shrewsbury Town fan, and got to know him in like the, the early 2000s. I haven't seen him for ages. And so it was nice. It was a nice, nice one of those ones where you randomly meet someone and sit by them and kind of catch up, really. So that was a, a good way to start the game. But um, yeah, it was it was good. We sat down, had a bit of a chat, and then, to be fair, town came flying out the blocks again, Ollie. Exactly the same as we started that second half against Rotherham. It, it continued that that spirit really um and I, th- I thought we just dominated the game from literally the, the first kick really yeah it was it was a it's really surprising to be one who been listening to podcasts obviously for the last few years yeah it was a very very entertaining enjoyable game of football um i think it's worth noting that the bbc cambridge um commentary was saying that you know how this is probably the best um away performance they'd seen from a side all season 
Um, nice. And they were very, very complimentary about how Shrewsbury Town were playing, um, which I think is good, you know, to kind of use, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, the opposition's commentary to kind of describe how well we played. And we were absolutely superb, weren't we? Tactically, mentally, um, physically, we absolutely dominated the game. We were pressing well. We were passing fantastically. We were doing some fantastic runs, getting into dangerous areas. It was, it had this, this game from a Shrewsbury point of view had everything but goals it was really really <laughs> frustrating because it was a, a thoroughly professional job that had everything apart from the, the, the most important thing in football um, scoring a goal I, I've not been to many games in the last few years where I've been up off my seat like ah oh, oh, I can't believe it ah oh. uh, like, you know the, the agonising of missing chances and um, some of them were huge chances as well and um yeah, it it was good and it was ex- it was an exciting game to watch, particularly in the second half, as we'll get to, because um, it was in our end. We couldn't down the other end, you know, in the wind and rain, you couldn't really see what was going on down there in the first half too much. But you know, you could tell we were having close chances, and and the Cambridge fans were sort of gasping. But um, yeah, you talk about that. For me, it was the control and the the kind of calmness on the ball we had in awful conditions away at Cambridge. You normally kind of probably want to get up in your faces. Um, that was the most impressive thing to me. But it was also this kind of um. What's the word? I suppose the the kind of front players making good runs to try and get spotted, um, and then there was a sort of you know just a more of a, a bit of a swagger about us. I think that the the draw against Rotherham, they definitely spent that period between Tuesday and Saturday bigging the lads up to talk about how big a game that was, to talk about how good a performance it was because they came out playing with confidence, and it's something we've particularly during those bad runs, the couple of bad runs we've had this season where the confidence has just drained out of them. They are a different team, Ollie, when they've got a bit of confidence in them. And it's just a shame that we, we've shot ourselves in the foot so much this season by getting a good result and then messing it up straight away. When they when they get on a run of something that feels good, Burton, obviously, and then the Rotherham game, they, they do play better with a little bit of the confidence in them, don't they? Yeah, I think that's true of all football teams, isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you, yeah. Play, you, play, you play with confidence. Um, yeah, you look like a better team. Um, and that was I thought that was definitely the the case in this in this game. Players were full of confidence, and um, yeah, it came through. And yeah, you, it's not really it's not really too much else to say apart from the fact that we just played really really well. And yeah, you're going to take us through some of the highlights of this first half, Glenn. But it was some there was some really good football, and yeah, it was it was it was good to watch, and it was enjoyable. Yeah, every one of these little chances I'll take through now was one that got me out of my seat and like, oh, damn it, um, like I just mentioned before. One thing I would say, just before I get into these chances though, is I find it very easy, and anyone who's in this podcast will definitely agree with this, you'll definitely agree with it, I find it very easy when we've been like really good in a game, but during like a bad run to say, oh, well, but they were absolutely garbage. They were really poor. You know, they, they're not a good team. And, I, you know, it kind of undermines how well she should be played. I wouldn't say that in this game. It was, I, you know, as a mark of kind of my respect of how well we played in this game, it, this was all about how well we played. They played poorly because we smashed them. That was the simple thing about it. It wasn't like they played poorly, we got on top because of that. It was the other way around. We absolutely restricted them in every aspect of the game um, for the 90, well, 100 minutes of the game. And, and that is as much praise as you can give any football team in, in, in this country, isn't it? So in, in any way, I suppose. Um, but yeah, in terms of the chances, Jesus particularly the first 35 to 40 minutes we had so many chances and I just picked five of them out which were huge chances but that doesn't cover them all obviously we had 20 shots in the game um but um because there were more there were and there were and even without shots on target there were so many balls across the box or corners headed away at the last minute there was there was so we could easily have had 30 35 shots in the game if things had gone right so um that should really pay testament to how amazing we were in terms of bossing them I suppose the best chances though in that first half for me um there was a, a Bennett corner and he's got really really good at taking 
taking corners now, hasn't he? We should be scoring more from them where Flanagan got up and powerfully headed it straight at the goalkeeper, which was a bit unlucky, but a, a massive chance. Um, that same chance, though, was then recycled and Leahy hit one over on a narrow angle um, from the right-hand side, which didn't look like it was too far over the bar. Um so that was an exciting minute or so. Um, the best chance, I suppose, in the first half for me was where um, Bowman got up to sort of flick on a flick on a, 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 a cross. I think it was from Bloxham onto goal, and that made the keeper make a massive reaction save. That was probably the one of the two really good saves that goalkeeper made in the half uh, in the game. I thought, Ollie. Yeah, really, really good opportunities, and just a frustrating we didn't take them. Yeah, and then there was Flanagan headed wide again from a corner from Bennett. I think that Lewis Cox put that Flanagan could easily have had a hat trick <laughs> in the first 15 minutes of the game. That's how, how well he was doing from corners, but yeah, managed not to force it over the line, which is a bit unfortunate. And then Lee, he had a shot um, just wide from a, another really creative fauna pass. And as I say, those are just the five I picked out, Ollie. There were more chances. There was, I remember there was an Odo long shot as well and other bits and bobs. And it was only really the last five to ten minutes of the half where Cambridge woke up a little bit. Um, yeah. They had a long shot and then they had a that sort of just needed turning in as it went across goal a bit um, nothing on target though the, the only heart in the mouth moment for us down that end where we were watching it was there was a header which looped up and it looked like it was going to catch Morosi out and sort of dip in under the crossbar but it kind of it, it went over the bar in the end it wasn't too bad um, and yeah town fans as far as I was concerned were, were absolutely thoroughly enjoying the game um, didn't stop chanting you know same sort of thing we've been talking about um, uh, down the other end but the, you know I think we'll all, all town fans even in that moment think we've had so many chances in this half um, and when they had their little couple of chances at the end of the half you thought oh it's inevitable they're going to score but we didn't we held on and it was nil at half time you just wanted us to keep playing the same I was a bit worried talking about the weather that we'd played so well in that first half because we had a like slight wind advantage but clearly that was a little crap because we, we played exactly the same in the second half so um, yeah nil nil half time and we all tried to keep warm yeah it's funny you mentioned about the wind it was something that was was talked about by the um, the home commentary and they were saying that it's yeah. like it's get worse in the second half because um, they had the wind advantage um, but, they did yeah. and I think it's just again we've, we've, we've talked about it briefly but it wasn't just for me that you know we created all these chances whatever and you know we created chances through good football really intelligent runs obviously good match preparation and I think it's just a testament to how well drilled we are and you know, it's one of those games where things come together because I don't know if you heard this, Glenn, but um, we had um, a situation where um, Aaron Wilbraham and the analyst Ben um, were absent at this game due to COVID. I heard about that, yeah, yeah. It's not good, is it, for them? And you, we pass on our best to them and hope they get better soon. But yeah, obviously being some staff members down and putting in this sort of performance is, is, is good, isn't it? It is really good. It's it's obviously a shame for those guys, and fingers crossed yeah. they'll be they'll be well soon, and you know they'll they'll be fine. But um, yeah, it's just testament to to the hard work, and I imagine that you know they probably worked remotely, maybe maybe did a bit of prep earlier in the week, but it was a game that we were fully prepared for, and it's something we always talk about. You know, we all criticise Cottrell for his for his negative aspects, but setting a team up um, for a game um, is definitely a strength, and and we I thought we we set we set ourselves up really well in this game, and. Ironside is, you know, is a really good target man, and I thought the back three handled him really well as well. Back three were exceptional again, Ollie. Very much like the last game where I talked about how good they were. Um, particularly, I thought Flanagan, who was maybe the standout in this game, but again, Pennington and Ebanks are just really, really rock solid, um, and and couldn't fault them all. I mean, Ironside's been a tricky player over the years um, at this level, and levels below didn't get a sniff really. And particularly as a, a kind, he's the big lad, isn't he up front? They they didn't let him get any kind of physicality on him at all. They just bossed, bullied him out of the game. I thought so. Um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not going to pick the, the all three centre backs of my man of the matches again because I think it's a bit unfair on other players in this game but they were all absolutely brilliant all of them had sevens eights and, and nines out of ten I thought yeah the back three are really comfortable together aren't they 
Um, they're yeah. performing really well at the moment and can't really have any negatives about them at the moment. Plume doing really, really well. Um, but everyone played really well in this game. You know, I don't think this maybe, I don't know, Bowman and Doe maybe let themselves down a little bit. But apart from that, everyone, else, everyone played really, really well. Morosi, yeah, he could have he could have taken a chair and sat down on it. <laughs> and there wasn't really much for him to do in this game. No, uh, and maybe, and even I won't be so harsh on Nado and Bowman there. You know, they let themselves down with their finishing, but I have to say the runs they were making from, from particularly from Nado from deep. You know, he was part of the attacking transitions. He was yeah, part it's, of a it's lot part of the, of the play, isn't it? Yeah, and the reason yeah. why it works, it does work with with Boxham and Nado in those in those areas. Yeah. You know, defensively they do get quite deep at times, almost near our own box when we're defending. But when they get forward and they work hard, and yeah, a number of times they won the ball. And Ado was one of the things that we know, you know, when obviously Ado had that great run in December and he was scoring yep. goals, but he was also decision making was really good. And he was also picking the pockets of the opposition. And you know, you're playing well and you're on, you're dominating the game because we were doing that again on, on Saturday. And Ado was leading that, leading yep. through the effort and kind of setting the standards through hard work and, and winning the ball back. Yeah, he's he's been better since he's dropped deeper in these last few games, like we mentioned in the first game, and um, I'm sure sure the goals will come back again. But um, yeah, that that goal scoring run does look a bit of an anomaly, doesn't it? Unfortunately, now, but um, it maybe is an anomaly. This. I'm afraid it's um, <laughs> it is an anomaly. It's a real shame. It would be absolutely a fantastic story if you could score consistently. Unfortunately, we don't see that enough. Yeah, I think but you never know. Hopefully, if he goes on another run. Yeah, um, yeah. Steve Cottrell will be absolutely, obviously loving it. But we would would be would be in a fantastic position. When hopefully we could have a, a good end of the season. We need Bowman or Doe to go on a bit of a run. Um, like mm. I do have to, I don't I don't know the stat, but Bowman hasn't scored for a while, has he? Oh, he hasn't scored for ages. No, absolutely ages. Nor is a Doe. So it's both. You know, it was. Um... It was Boxham, wasn't it? They got the, the goals in the last week or so. Um, so, yeah, they, they both desperately need a goal. Um, and they sometimes play like that. And I think we'll come to that as we go through this game. But, um, yeah, it'd be good to, good to get them back on the score sheet. It's funny because we were talking about Ado during that period. And I think even we, with our slight negativity we've always had against uh, with Ado's performance, particularly when we were talking about him last season and the lack of contribution to, to goals, even when he went on that good run, we were talking about him. Oh, he's going to outscore Faye now and he's going to be the highest league goal scorer we've had for the X amount of years. I mean, <laughs> is he going to get 16 goals? Do you reckon he'll get more than Faye now? Well, I I People That's saying low, that low there was a risk that there was a risk that we were losing in January, um, yeah. And to a Championship club, I never ever saw that happening. But um, that just shows you how well he was performing at that time. There we go. We'll run through the rest of this half anyway. Um, yeah, as I say, we got right at them. 25 seconds in, Nurse had a, had a really uh, good shot that was just wide at the back post from 25 yards, like I talked about in the last game. He has really got a good long shot on him, so hopefully we can get him to trundle up the pitcher and, and take a few more shots like that. That would be grand. Um, blocks him at a half volley over from about 30 yards. Um, and then after we had those two opening chances in the first five minutes, it did settle down a bit more than the first half. I think Cambridge had a bit more play in the second half. Um, there was a couple of penalty shouts, Ollie, down the other end. I couldn't really see too much. I'm not sure whether they looked particularly you know fair on on the eye follow you were watching but I'm, I'm not sure anyone from the press reported there were penalties no for me the, the, you're talking about the one where Leakey went down um no I'm talking about box. Cambridge had a couple of threats for a oh, penalty no yeah the, no way no, no yeah there was a lot of times wasn't there in the first half where Leakey went down but he didn't seem to complain too much and no, then yeah was there was bad. a few where they went down a bit easily but for me never a penalty I couldn't even tell what they were calling for. I thought it was Amball, so shows you what I know. Um, then there was two yeah, there was that injury E-Banks delays. One. Yeah, the E-Banks one. Yeah, the E-Banks one. God, if he, um, if he, um, if he, if he could move his arm that fast, um, he wouldn't. He would. Yeah, I don't think he'd be a professional footballer. He'd be doing something else. He'd be like one of the world's best tennis players or something, um, because his reactions would be unbelievable. But yeah, there's never a penalty. It was a bit of a, a desperate shout. 
Okay, good. Well, that's good to know. And then to say, there was two long injury delays. Uh, Shadow Tracy, ex-town player, came on, but he didn't really do too much, although the Cambridge fans were calling for him for quite a while because they were obviously second best in the game. Surely like we would be calling for a doe if he was on the bench, I suppose, something like that. Um, Cambridge had their best chance during that second half where Smith headed onto the, a cross, but it just sort of landed on the roof of the net. Um, again, not on target, um, and that would have been mega harsh to concede there. And I think as that as that game went on, Town really dominated the, the end of the game and then into the injury time. Um and created tons of chances um, and had loads of corners and it was right in front of the town fans and it was a, as I said it was just a real kind of up and down up and down moment it was it was really exciting second half to be honest with you and it was kind of really good for the town fans who didn't see a goal but actually went all the way there and watched an exciting performance right in front of them and the players were getting the crowd up and all that sort of thing it was good but I think you know those four chances I picked out in that last spell really the best one was the Ado chance um, we'll talk about that one before we look at the other three but yeah really good Bennett cross um, Ado is central looked like he had all the goal to aim at from where I was watching it from um, and then yeah heads it over from what is what five six yards out um, and then crashed into the post afterwards but luckily I wasn't injured I mean that ugh, it was a mega chance wasn't it yeah it was sadly it was really really poor not me else to say really <laughs> is that, no, I, sorry it's just it's one right. of those chances you just see misses and you are frustrated and you can't believe he's missed very frustrated. Alesh was very upset next to me. He was he was cursing him to be honest with you. But um, yeah, there we go. If he was uh, he's, he's been seeing a doe play before, he's seen that before. So there we go. Um, and then the last three chances of the game went on. Lee he um, had a really good shot from twenty five yards that just went wide, and it was kind of it looked like it was going in even from where we were. It was so close, but it just kind of faded away at the end. And then Lee had a corner. This was an amazing chance as well. Right late on corner in. Um, he was the front post. He flicked it down low to the bottom of the goal, and the keepers just scrambled across him made another amazing save in injury time and then even after that we had another chance where a ball went right across the goal and all it needed was someone to just slide in and someone was sliding in back post um i heard someone describe it as gaza um euro 96 against germany you know when someone's like sprawling at the yeah. back post to just pop it in it was a real one of their moments almost the last kick of the game and it was just like oh it's just not going to be our day um those are the best chances. But even then, I can think off the top of my head now without what we wrote in the agenda, there was at least two or three moments where Bennett got in down the right and he was exceptionally good um, and just couldn't quite find the right pass. There was loads across into the box, say the corners. It was just, it was relentless. And it was so unfair that we didn't win that game, Ollie. I'm, I'm quite upset about it, thinking about it now. But it was a really good performance. I can't criticise anything about the game at all, really, um, no. or the players. And, and that was it, really. That's all I've got to say. Yeah, for the next G point of view, we talk about it when it's negative, so we've got to talk about it when it's yeah, positive yeah. as well. Um, Steve will. <laughs> yeah, Steve will. But we always, you know, we always do. We, you know, we're, we're praising the manager when he does good things, and that's that's always been our kind of our our operation. You know how we always operate, yep, isn't yep. it? Um, so XG for Cambridge was zero point three seven, which would be absolutely lambasting if that was Shrewsbury, and then we had one point four, which is pretty solid. Um, so yeah, we, mm -hmm. we we did well in both ends. You know, we limited them to basically nothing. Um, and then, yeah, we created lots of good chances ourselves. Indeed, indeed. So, yes, there we go. Good XG, um, low actual G. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> yeah, the best way to describe it. <laughs> low G. The actual G. <laughs> low G, yeah, there we go. It's a shame. Um, hopefully we'll get it sorted for the Oxford game. But go on, run me through your top three watching it, Ollie. Yeah, I went for Bennett, Flanagan and, and Fournau. Yeah, I went for Flanagan. Oh, I thought had his best game for us so far um, in a short period with us. He's a bloody good player. I didn't. I let you kind of talk about him in that first game, but um, he's levels above what we normally have at the back. Um, and to be honest with you, it fits in well with Ebanks and Pennington, who are also some of the best centre backs we've had in in these last sort of five, five, ten years, I suppose. To have all three of them at the club at the same time, all signed up on a contract for potentially next year. I think Ebanks is out of contract. Maybe I'm not too sure on that one. But yeah, I think Ebanks to, to is know out. 
yeah, it'd be really good to sign him up because if we had all three of them going forward into next season, again, there's the platform to build off. We don't, you know, it gives Cottrell no reason to not look at going and trying to get the, the up front positions and the midfield position sorted, does it? So, yeah, lots to work from there. And he was really, really good, Flanagan. He's, he's, I say, he offers a lot in the box, but he's just so calm on the ball, isn't he? He's just like, as you mentioned before, he's a modern day centre back, isn't he? So, um, we haven't seen too many of them over the years. When you think of the Dave Winfields and, and the like, um, yeah, Fauna second for me. Again, just brilliant, I thought. And Leahy third place. And I just thought the Fauna Leahy access, which is why I talked about whether Vela should come in, I was really, really impressed with the midfield. And there's not many times this season where I've been impressed with midfield, Ollie. So, um, yeah, they were my top three. Yeah, it makes a big choice, doesn't it? So then Fauna's got a week off. Um, the manager mentioned they got an extra day off to recover as well. So it is going to be a big decision whether we change formation, go back to three, a 3-5-2, three, or whether we, um, yeah, whether he kind of makes a change. So it'd be really fascinating to see how that one turns out. But anyway, um, in terms of, yeah, it was it was a good performance um, and it's good to see um, him, him settle and, and, and delivering. And it's good, obviously, for his development. And also it's really good for us as a football club is that we can see, we can take loan players in, develop them, play some, game, play some games. Um, that was obviously both well for us in the future because we were a little bit concerned, weren't we, that you know we were going to start struggling when it comes to loan players and, and Steve yeah. Cottrell. And I suppose the best thing to come out of it was that, was it something like, you know, the Morecambe, they've gone five games out of win now, haven't they? they? I think they drew at the weekend, same as us. So the gap stayed at six points down to relegation. So as I say, six points is a nice buffer, but it's only one game away from it being three points, isn't it? If the if results don't go right and ourselves and Morecambe have now played the same amount of games. So there's no kind of, you know, moving around of that. Um, and when you look at the bottom, you know, we're not going to get caught by Crew on 25 points and we're not going to get caught by Doncaster on 20, sorry, I mean, look at the bottom of the table. You're not getting caught by crew on 25 points. Um, the only difference over recent weeks really is Doncaster and Gillingham have pulled themselves up a little bit close to Morecambe. So the gap between those three is Doncaster on 29, Gillingham on 30 and Morecambe on 31. And then, as I say, we're up there on 37. So, you know, it's it's tricky still because there's more teams involved in that last fourth place, you know, the last relegation place now. There was a bit of a gap before, wasn't there? But um, yeah, it's definitely moved around a little bit. And we still, we're still going to need points, aren't we? That's for sure. Well, obviously we're only thirty-seven. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need we're going to need points, but it is nice to have that gap at the moment. A gap of eight points is is quite a lot um, at the low end. Not saying it's not saying it can't be broken down, but you know it's just put into context. You know you've got um, you know Gillingham have got thirty points. You know eight. You know it's nearly a third of their points all season. Um, so obviously it's still you know it's still a number of games to go. It's eleven games. For Morecambe, uh, there's less for Gillingham and, and Doncaster Rovers. Um, so it's it's looking okay. I mean, the teams below us as well are on a really bad run of form as well. So you've got Fleetwood, Fleetwood, Wimbledon, Morecambe have not won in, in five games. Yep. Um, and the teams below, obviously Gillingham had that bit of a run when they changed their manager, but haven't done so well this Saturday. So it's it's going to be tight and obviously just want to win games now, don't we? And get out of this, get out of this and enjoy the, the end of the season. Yeah, I mean Lincoln were on a bad run as well. They they don't they they'd only won one in the last five, and that was on Saturday. So if they if they do not, and they're still below Saturday, us. They'd, yeah, they'd have still been in. And, and, control, and so. also, then you look at Charlton. Charlton and oh, Burton yeah. are both dropping like stones. So both Burton and Charlton have only drew um, one in the last five, and they've lost four each. Um, obviously, Burton lost to us. So yeah, hopefully we play Cambridge um, Charlton soon. Sorry, um, because that would be do, a, a good wait. game. Yeah, yeah. I'll say imagine we. We'll, we'll, we haven't played them. Yeah, we haven't played them for a while. So yeah, that'll be. Uh, knowing us, we'll probably lose. <laughs> 
it's one of the last games of the season, I think, away away at Charlton. But yeah, it's an interesting league because you know we talk about relegation, but Jesus, if we could put two wins together back to back, you're looking at 13th place. You're looking at catching Cambridge up in 13th, or, or you know maybe Accrington on 46 is probably a bit too far away from us now. But there's certainly still scope to finish above 17th and 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 and, lo- and high, lower than that. So uh, I'd like to think we can we can do something better now. We've got this consistent more attack mind, not more attack minded, but just a, a little bit better in these last better few games. performing. Just uh, yeah, yeah, just exactly. just performing better. It's, it's as simple as that. We're performing better, but yep. not doing the most important thing yet. It's putting the ball in the back of the net, but fingers crossed will we'll happen soon. I'm, I'm just, just split still. This, this could still go disastrously wrong, or we could still finish 13th. And that's that's pretty much Shrewsbury Town with 10 games to go. <laughs> yeah, if we stay injury-free and stop getting red cards, um, I think we'll probably do enough to, to, to survive. Yeah. But if we have a few injuries, I will we'll start to worry a lot. We'll revert. Reserve comment on that, Ollie. Well, there we go. Yeah, as we said, well, we've got Oxford. Oxford is the next game, next Saturday. Um, who are having a really good season, aren't they? Up in fourth. Um, but they have just lost their last two. So there's a little uh, chink of light for us, I suppose. So, um, yeah, back at home. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, Ollie. I'm sure you'll be back. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back next Sunday to, to talk about Oxford and, and hopefully another three points to, to safety. I'm just going to just give you a bit of oh, trivia, right. trivia, Glenn. So, um, <laughs> so, yeah, Pike is on loan at Scunthorpe. He's played in six games. <laughs> Do you reckon he scored? No, I know he hasn't because I, I, funnily <laughs> enough, I looked, I've looked yesterday to see if he had, and he hadn't, had he? And nor is, nor is Cosgrove. So that was that was quite interesting. So yeah, and and a little bit of a giggle, but um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, interesting one. So yeah, we'll have to obviously we obviously still a good number of games to go. What ten or so games or so? But um, 10, yeah, it will 10, be 10. exciting to look at and think about next season. I did see Jills in the Blood did this really good thing where every player who's out of contract he did you know should should we sign them or whatever mm. or let them go so maybe we'll do that and as we get closer to the end of the season we normally look at that sort of thing don't we and yeah. I'm sure we will do it again um, I, I just go in a pike it is funny Scunthorpe were buggered weren't they about trying to stay up and their solution to <laughs> staying in League 2 and not getting relegated to the conference was sign a Ricky or Pike to be honest with you they brought anything that happens to themselves on this season so, so it's their own problem and I, I noticed there was a massive game wasn't there about bottom of League 2 yesterday it was, I think it was Carlisle versus Oldham and um, it was Oldham's big chance to get themselves out of trouble and they lost at home to Carlisle so there's lots going on in football isn't it? 10 games to go I'm sure we'll probably have a little bit of a wider look at football and Who's going up and who's going down, won't we? Because we'll be looking at who might be in League Two next year. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we we'll so. should do that. Maybe all next, sorts. Yeah, we're trying yeah. to get a guest on next week. Um, obviously, it's a one-game week, so let's try and get a guest on and maybe have a look at what the playoff hunters and stuff is like. Because I think the relegation mm-hmm. battle is obviously we've been in it all season, but maybe let's have a look at higher <laughs> up and see what's going on. For sure, yeah. Good stuff. Okay, well, I'll try and outro us again there, Ollie, because we, we, we went off on a tangent. But yes, we'll be back next week, uh, as we say, talking about Oxford and potentially looking up the league table. Um, and yeah, everyone have a good week. And yeah, catch you next Sunday. Oh!